0: Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I
1: hope you enjoyed the podcast. Welcome to another episode of NACUBO in Brief, where we explore the issues shaping the business of higher education. I'm Brian Dixon, Assistant Director for Advocacy and Student Financial Services at NACUBO. I'm joined today by Tom Simard, who's the Deputy Commissioner for Finance and Administration at the Massachusetts Department of Higher Education. Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Great, great. So we are going to spend uh, our time uh, on this episode talking about a new process and a new metric to assess the financial health of a college or university. But before we jump in, uh, I wanted to explore kind of what are the the higher education challenges that you're seeing in your state of Massachusetts and what problems are you trying to solve?
0: Uh, Well, that's a good uh, foundational question for what we're going to discuss today because um, this all uh, happened in the wake of Uh, the abrupt closure of Mount Ida College in Newton, Massachusetts. And um, after that, um, it it caught many people by surprise, including especially students. And uh, so our Board of Higher Education held a public hearing, to uh, to look into the issue and to, and to look at not only the board's role, but also the role and responsibilities of the other members of the regulatory triad, including the U.S. Uh, Department of Education and the uh, local regional accreditor, the New England Commission on Higher Ed. And so as a result of that process, the board decided that uh, it needed to dig deeper into the issue. Uh, and so uh, they formed a working group. Uh, last summer, that met uh, for the following six months, so into the fall of uh, 2018. And uh, that work was supported by EY Parthenon, uh, who uh, helped uh, answer some of the research questions uh, and, and and helped develop some of the recommendations that came out of that working group. Uh, and those key questions uh, were as follows. First is, what was the nature and scope of this problem? You know, was Mount Ida College an isolated situation, or were the underlying conditions such that we had the potential of seeing this happen again uh, if we didn't address our regulatory um, response infrastructure. Um, Second, uh, it looked at the, uh, again, the roles and responsibilities of the the, the regulatory players. Uh, It also looked at the tools that they used uh, to do their work and and to assess whether those tools were sufficient uh, to provide us with sufficient uh, warning um, or, or diagnostic into what might be happening that would require an appropriate regulatory response. And then the, uh, the, the, the third and the fourth questions really relate to what do we do about it, if in fact the answers to the first two questions are, uh, wh- wh- which is what the answers were, which is uh, this is not uh, likely to be an isolated uh, situation, that it's likely that this is going to be a problem that we'll uh, have the potential of seeing again. And second, that the current uh, roles and responsibilities really needed uh, to be improved, uh, including the tools that we, uh, that we have at our disposal to do that work. Uh, and so the uh, the third question was, how do we help members of boards of trustees uh, exercise their fiduciary responsibility uh, in a better way, in a more informed way? And how do we help them understand what it means to be a fiduciary? What kind of questions should they be asking? What kind of indicators should they be looking at? And then lastly, how do we, how do we strengthen our own uh, uh, role in this in a way that would uh, help avoid uh, the kind of situation we had with Mount Ida, but not exacerbate the problem for other schools that, that may not need um, uh, regulatory intervention? Uh, and so uh, the result of that work uh, was, uh, was um, a, a report that came out that included a reference to this uh, new metric that was developed uh, to ask and answer the question, can an institution meet its financial obligations to its students?
1: Yeah, so uh, I want to. I definitely want to talk about this metric. Um, uh, you said it, it was developed by EY Parthenon. Um, can you tell me uh, about the, a little more detail about the metric and how it's being used, um, uh, and and uh, how it's being used in as a part of this larger effort.
0: Sure. So uh, the I, I can't say right now how it's being used because we haven't it, decided how, that yeah, yet yeah, how you intend to use it. I'm sorry. Right. My yeah. Point. So, um, but we do intend on uh, using it as a as another tool in the toolbox. Um, and I think um, part of the concern expressed by some we can get more into um, the the general concerns expressed uh, in the in the landscape um, was that we would use exclusively a single tool or a single metric mm-hmm. to assess for financial risk. And really, we're looking at the SER is is really more of a supplemental uh, tool to help us identify institutions with whom we may need to uh, be engaged in a closer conversation around their financial situation. Um, So essentially what the metric is, is um, uh, that it, it, Assesses an institution's uh, financial uh, obligation to its uh, students and to its creditors by assuming a hypothetical closure scenario, and uh, and then it assesses uh, how it would manage through a theoretical wind down. Hmm. Uh, So, meaning no new enrollments uh, and and no obviously no corresponding revenue and expenses associated with uh, new intake. Um, So, it really calculates um, how an institution can teach out its enrolled enrolled and admitted students using only known or predictable uh, revenues, expenses, debts, uh, expendable assets, and so forth. Um, And obviously, there's more detail behind how that gets calculated. There are certain assumptions about uh, how quickly um, uh, an institution would need to wind down, what what access it might have to its uh, expendable assets. But basically, that's the gist of it. Um, and from our standpoint, as a as a regulatory agency, you know, uh, the, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, there is uh, there are several benefits to thinking about uh, financial health from this perspective. Um, first is that the metric asks and answers that key question in terms of an a college or university's relationship to its students.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and, and unlike other financial metrics, which are more agnostic to that relationship, it poses the question in terms that matter um, very much to our board of higher education. Um, second, it produces a numerical output that gives us a preliminary answer to the question: um, Can and I, uh, an institution teach out its students, um, and, uh, and and for how long? Um, and so that's the output, if you will. There's no um, sort of raw number, like a score or anything. It actually would uh, give you a preliminary indication of how much, how many, how much the resources of the institution it has uh, to meet its obligations. And then under a, a theoretical wind down, it it tells you theoretically when they would essentially run out of resources.
1: Okay, and for our listeners, um, and that's what you mean when you say uh, teach out, right? Is is right. kind of the the like you said, no, no, no new enrollments, and just trying to get the current students through
0: Th- through the throughput, right. exactly. And uh, obviously, there it's it's purely hypothetical because an actual teach out uh, likely uh, and almost exclusively uh, in, involves uh, other institutions, articulation agreements, and and transfer plans and uh, approved academic pathways that that our board uh, approves, and so. Uh, really, it's, it's intended to be a diagnostic and really not a predictor uh, as to whether an institution would actually be able to teach out its students. Interesting.
1: Interesting. It's just a different way to, to look at the, the financial health. So I guess maybe a, a lot of people might say, well, hey, uh, the U.S. Department of Education already has a way to assess financial health of an institution. Um, what, what is the, well, first, what is the current system in place at the federal level?
0: Uh, well, we we looked at uh, the uh, federal responsibility composite score used by the uh, U.S. Department of Education, and, and asked ourselves the question: Is this um, indicator uh, sufficient to give us uh, a, a, an early warning into an institution's financial health? And what we discovered was that for uh, for colleges and universities that did go through a closure or or, or a merger, the FRCs uh, really did not provide um, that uh, kind of um, uh, an indicator. Yeah. In other words, it, it really, and I don't believe it was designed to do that. It just happens to be a universally understood metric that is uh, used uh, at the federal level for um, due diligence and administering Title IV funding.
1: And that's just, and that's just uh, they come up with this composite score using yeah. various financial ratios um, Correct. and pulling figures from uh, institutions' uh, financial statements and, and coming up with this score to kind of that, quantify where, where you know, where an institution is. I mean, that,
0: that's right. Yeah, there are three variables and uh, they all contribute to a composite score and it, it measures the sufficiency of their resources against their expenses and the sustainability of their debt and changes in uh, their uh net income over time but it, it really again it's 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 not i don't it, it, in our in our view not really not suitable as a diagnostic um and that's one of the reasons why we were looking at uh the composite financial index uh, for instance and and other um ways of looking at um uh, financial health uh and then came up with uh you know with uh EY parthenon's work um a a supplemental way of looking at this um
1: at this It seems clear to me then that this uh, student educational resource metric is is not going to—you're not proposing that in the state of Massachusetts that this be adopted to uh, replace replace those financial responsibility composite scores or the composite financial index.
0: No, not at all. We're we're considering it as as another tool in the toolbox and and as a way of having a conversation. So um, the way we're envisioning using this and and other supplemental indicators is really to assess whether the— Board of Higher Education needs to be in a engaged in a, in a closer conversation with an institution that may, on initial spec, um, uh, v, uh, be viewed as as being at at risk of being unable to meet its financial obligations. Doesn't necessarily mean that they are. It just means that we probably want to talk with them first.
1: Probably, probably better to to look earlier rather than be caught <laughs> exactly. later on in the game. Yeah, that, in the game,
0: that's exactly right.
1: Are you getting any um, pushback on this uh, from
0: schools? Uh, a little bit. I, I think, you know, any any kind of changes is, um, is, is is difficult, you know, for, um, uh, you know, for those in, in this industry. And I, I think there's obviously some concern that to the extent that uh, government uh, is is more proactive in, in any particular industry to respond to what's going on in the market. Uh, there's a concern that we will overreach and, and over respond to um, what in in in. Uh, the way many people view the Mount Ida situation is really was an extraordinary situation. And uh, we certainly don't want to uh, make the problem uh, worse. So there are some concerns that um, that our regulatory response might be um, more than is what is necessary to ensure uh, the integrity of of the process. Um, Second, uh, and we can speak a little more to this, is uh, there's. a a key role to be played by the regional accreditor, Mm. uh, the New England Commission on Higher Education. Um, And uh, they have done a considerable amount of work uh, in this area. And I think there's a shared view, um, including by uh, a lot of us, that uh, the uh the The really good work that the commission has done to sort of self examine you know their process and um and and make and adopt recommendations of their own to strengthen the process is really where a lot of uh, practitioners in this in this space uh really see. As the appropriate uh, and responsible way to address the problem, um, and I'll give you a couple of, of examples yes, of the please. things that they've done. So, um, <clears throat> one of the, one of the changes they've made is they've instituted a um, an intermediary uh, watch level called public notation, and uh, and I don't want to speak on their behalf, but it it really speaks to the need to do something short of. A, a, a pre probationary uh, measure um, and provide some sort of a public early warning uh, indicator uh, that um, lets everyone know that if left unaddressed or unchecked, um, uh, that the current trajectory of of a particular college or university may lead it to a point where they would be unable, for financial reasons, to maintain their accreditation status. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so public notation has yet to uh, sort of make its way through the process, but we view it as a very positive step uh, in the public disclosure responsibilities so that uh, it puts the institution uh, as well as everyone on notice that uh, something may need to change in order for uh, the uh, accreditation standards to be met. Uh, And second, uh, and this is in response to um, a an ask by both our board and others of um, representative chief financial officers from uh, area colleges. Uh, they came up with, uh, through extensive study into this, they came up with some recommendations for how this might be done, and they actually came up with their own uh, quantitative uh, methodology to uh, help the regional accreditor uh, determine uh, financial um, uh, condition. And it's um, something uh, they're calling the annual sustainability review. Uh, it's a 12 factor uh, analysis uh, with uh, red flag uh, indicators for each of those uh, 12 factors. Uh, that um, a, a composite look at, at uh, that uh, methodology uh, would be one of several indicators as to whether an institution might be at financial risk and may require further scrutiny. Uh, In addition to that, they're they're proposing, um, as we are, uh, uh, better training for uh, boards of trustees. Um, And they're also asking that institutions look at some of the non-financial indicators that might serve as good early warning systems. Things like trends in enrollment, um, tuition discount, the use of tuition discounting and trends there. The either growing or uh, dependency on uh, tuition revenue for, for an institution's operations. The selectivity of the institution and changes in that over time. So they've uh, come up with a a really comprehensive set of indicators that um, those of us who are doing this work should be looking at uh, as a part of any kind of an annual
1: screening and and regular uh, review process. So you you mentioned early warnings, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I guess the question is when? When is a good time to require kind of a public notification of, of potential closure? I imagine that's a bit of a tough needle to thread, because if it's too early, you might cause some sort of panic, and that may impact enrollment. Uh, too late, obviously. Uh, too late is too late. Um, I'm not asking you to give me a, a definitive uh, you know, number of days or at mm-hmm. what point, but how, how, are, how are you thinking about that in Massachusetts? Well, the working group
0: recommended 18 months as a an over-under date. Um, I think they viewed that that would— um, 18 months uh, of— uh, uh, So um, to set uh, an 18-month indicator, or decision window, um, uh, where uh, they've asked the board— um, excuse me, they've asked the department uh, to um, to give public notification for any institution that in the termination of the department— um, would be unable to meet its obligations to its students um, for the remainder of the current academic year and the uh, remainder of the following academic year so essentially uh, a December time frame uh, decision point um, after uh, reviewing the um, the institution's uh, fiscal information and obviously
1: going through considerable due process and and, and so forth gotcha yeah. any any concerns about this metric maybe uh, uh, resulting in any kind of false positives or or maybe tagging uh, a school incorrectly
0: uh absolutely so uh and that's the reason why we're
1: proposing to use it in conjunction with
0: other indicators right. uh, because we want to we want to have uh fail safes uh, built into this process so um obviously we we want um, sufficient warning, but we don't want to inappropriately screen an institution that may uh, not require a regulatory uh, intervention. Um, so we're, we're not proposing to use it in a way that would either prematurely disclose anything that would prejudice an institution, its ability to, to carry out its mission, um, but rather to inform ourselves as to which institutions we may need to get uh, some additional information on.
1: I want to close with this because I know we um, this is addressing the um Private nonprofit institutions in Massachusetts. Any thoughts on maybe this could be replicated to include publics um, or for profits? And beyond that, could this be adopted elsewhere? Is this is this will this be unique to Massachusetts? Do you see other states kind of thinking about looking into something like this? I, I've
0: actually um, been able to talk with a couple of my colleagues around the country, and there's there's uh, a lot of interest in uh, in this uh, work. And uh, obviously, it's something that uh, we all have different regulatory authorities and responsibilities, and we all have our different uh, current processes. So I, I do believe that this has value uh, outside of Massachusetts. Massachusetts uh, does um, is unique in the sense that um, the majority of students educated in Massachusetts are educated at private institutions as mm-hmm. opposed to public. Right. So um, there is that uh, dynamic going on. Um, and many uh, colleges uh, and universities in Massachusetts are, are, are very, very strong financially. So um, we're really looking at a, a very small subset of Schools that um, are really engaged in a lot of important work now to, to figure out how they're de- how they can best deal with uh, the realities of demographic decline and and other uh, disruptions in this in this space. But yeah, I do I do believe that this can be adapted uh, for use with privates and 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 for public institutions. That would you'd have to change it a bit to uh, to adapt it that way. Um, and in our case, we already exercise a lot of statutory authority over private institutions and the public. so we're really just proposing to use this for um, for private nonprofit uh, institutions
1: great great well we're we're looking forward to to hearing uh, any updates on this maybe we'll we'll have you uh, back on on the podcast down the road to kind of see uh, you know a year, or two years down the road and see, see how things are going. But I, I wanted to thank you very much for, for joining me today. This has been highly informative and I hope you hope you hope you had a good time, Tom.
0: Uh, thank you very much. yeah, it's a timely topic and uh, we, uh, we're going to continue to work through it.
1: All right, that's going to be a wrap here for Nakubo. This is Brian Dixon we will see you on the next episode of Nakubo in brief.